Hey everyone, and welcome to InFlight. I'm your host, Sol. Now normally this would be the part where Norm would chip in and say, I'm Norm XP, um, but Norm and I couldn't find a time uh, for this episode to record uh, our little intro that we usually do, so we're not going to be ha- having that um, for this episode of InFlight, but it's not going away, I promise, it'll be coming back soon. Um, we'll be talking about some things that are happening in the world and in the flight simulation community soon. Uh, but we're just not able to right now. And I'm sorry about that if that's the section of the podcast that you enjoy the most, uh, but it will be coming back, I promise. Um, so we're just going to hop right into the interview so then you can hear Norm's voice again and also hear our wonderful guests. Uh, we had MJ and Cameron on. MJ is the CEO of INI Builds and Cameron is the lead developer at INI Builds. Now, INI Builds has been on everybody's radar quite a bit lately because they are. Uh, planning to release an A300-600F for X-Plane 11. And it's very hotly anticipated because it's looking to be a really detailed aircraft and a great addition to the X-Plane long-haul aircraft selection, which is something that we haven't really gotten enough love from um, over the past few years. We've mostly been getting really great single-aisle aircraft like uh, in my personal opinion, the Flight Factor A320 Ultimate is a great one, and who could forget the Zebo 737-800, which is an amazing um, single-aisle aircraft. Um, but INI is really bringing something special on the table, and um, I will say, after talking to them, the hype is real. Uh, I am really excited for their product, um, and I think you should be too after listening to um, our interview. Um some things that are going to be coming up during the interview. Uh, we talk specifically about some A300 system systems that are going to be introduced in the aircraft, um, and also some things that they have done behind the scenes uh, from a developer standpoint, like where they have gotten some of their materials in order to make the aircraft as great as it can be, uh, and uh, little visual tweaks that they have done. Um, my favorite part is when they actually talk about the screens of the plane, uh, you'll have to listen to the episode in order to figure out what exactly I'm talking about. Uh, that's my little hint that you should listen to this entire episode. <laughs> um, anyway, um, we had a really great talk about a really great talk with them, um, covering tons of things from the way uh, just aircrafts are aircraft is aircrafts are design in general. Um, we talked a lot about Airbus and their heritage and how they the A300 is still very present today in many of the aircraft. Um, that they have that they produce regularly today, such as the A380. Um, they talk a little bit about the A380. The um, so you'll have to stick around to hear about that. Um, and we just had a generally great time with them. I know I learned a lot. Um, I've never uh, interviewed an aircraft developer who was willing to go this in depth with me about the entire process, and that was really nice and refreshing to have. And it was really eye opening. INI Builds is definitely a company that you should be keeping your eye on. Um, in the future, because they have some great aircraft coming your way, uh, and we are really excited to be able to have them on the show. So, please welcome MJ and Cameron from INI Builds. Thank you guys so much for coming um, online with us to speak with us during this crazy time. How are you all doing today? Oh, we're doing good, thanks. Thank you very much for inviting us, um, So and Norm. Um, my name is Ubaid. I'm the CEO at INI Builds, and I'm joined with... I'm uh, Cameron, the lead technical developer at INI Builds. 
yeah, it's uh, difficult times, but it's still we can try and make the best of it while we can stuck at home. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, absolutely. That's it. Uh, that's the best way you can do it is make the best of difficult times. Exactly. So when it gets better, it'll be even greater. <laughs> so, yeah. So, well, welcome, guys. Welcome. Yeah, we're really excited to have you on. Um, I think you are one of our most high-profile guests so far, uh, as I'm sure you have realized at this point that there is a lot of hype generated around your product. Um, but before we get into that, um, let's get a little bit of a background um, so that people who are listening who don't know exactly who you are get a picture of your background experience and um, you know what brought you to this point. So who wants to start? <laughs> Um, so, you know, uh, no, likewise, thank you very much for having us. And, you know, we are really excited to be discussing, you know, our upcoming projects with you guys today. Um, so, you know, as mentioned, my name is Ubaid. I'm the CEO at Ina Builds. Um, and I think uh, I'll take this opportunity to provide, uh, you know, some of the listeners today, you know, a bit of background on Ina Builds, uh, who we are, how we got started um, and, you know, what brought us here today. And I'll sort of link that into how, you know, um, why Cameron's on board and how he's helping us, um, you know, with with the project. Um, so we started back, well, Arne Board started back in October 2018 um, uh, with the view of making, you know, GSX and dynamic lighting profiles um, specifically for prepared 3D um, and that market. And um, I came on board in December 2018 to sort of drive that vision forward. You know, it, it was a business that, you know, was working on a very, you know, a low scale um, side. And I really saw the potential of how this could be a really good space to for the users um, in terms of creating some quality freeware content for prepared. Uh, there are a lot of airports in prepared that were made by developers, you know, since FSX and, you know, the GSX dynamic lighting profiles really do enhance that the, the the experience at the airport, and it was a space that we saw that wasn't really being done properly by any sort of other company. Um, you know, since then we have grown exponentially. Um, we have you know made you know thousands of of profiles, um, and ever more recently, you know, after the GSX dynamic lighting was accessed, we moved into liveries, um, and livery creation. You know going from realistic liveries to bespoke custom design liveries. And, you know, that, that seems to be really popular with, with our users in both P3D and X-Plane. Um, since, you know, all, behind the scenes, while all that was happening, we um, announced that we were, you know, developing an A380 for X-Plane. Um, you know, we are quite a talented team um, with various skill sets. Um, and, you know, we, we, we've showcased a few things uh, on the A380 previously. Um, the A380, you know, un you know, unlike many of the the rumors on the forums, you know, it does still exist. We are still actively <laughs> developing for it. It's not going anywhere. It is it is it is very much in the forefront of our mind. Um, but you know, this sort of brings us up to, to where we are today. Um, everybody sort of knows. You know, I hope they do now. Of the, of the A300, it's been showcased. You know, a few times in various oh, places. Yeah. Um, and that is the project that is you know number one on our on our mindset right now. Um, it is you know, the whole project and the way that it's been developed to date, you know, you can read, everyone can read the history about the project. Already it's been well documented, but it is very much the forefront of how we want to move in as a business. Um, and, you know, Cameron's going to speak a bit about that later, but that sort of is, a, you know, a five, five minute, you know, rendition of who we are, what we do and where we are today. Um, 
in terms of my background personally, um, I come from a business background. Um, I've run a few businesses myself. Um, my family is very business orientated and sort of my vision as a CEO and the way that I like to drive you know, my company forward is really providing good, excellent customer service. And I really have seen some of the feedback that you know, customers have provided and both prepared and explained some of the gripes that they've seen that they ha- they, they want out of their simulation add-ons that they simply just don't get. And I think me um, and, the, the, you know, the messaging I try to provide within my organization is to really think about the end user in everything that we do. And, you know, that is the aim here to to make the customer and, and the client have the best experience possible. And anything that we can do to improve that um, is what we will do. Um, and that sort of brings us to, you know, the A300, you know, Cameron uh, will speak a bit about himself shortly, um, but he sort of came on to provide the, the pilot expertise to, again, you know, come into our vision of providing the customer the best experience possible. Um, so, yeah, Cameron, I'll, I'll let you introduce yourself and, and, and how you're helping us. Yeah, my name's Cameron. I've been in, uh, I'll start off all the way back at when I started Flight Simmons, probably Oh, I started with FS9 and with FSX. And I think my first introduction to X-Plane was X-Plane 9. And then I was pretty hooked on X-Plane by X-Plane 10, actually. That was what got me. I was like, this is good. You know, I really like this platform and I was pretty interested in that. Then moved on, P3D and all this stuff. But meantime, my own lifetime, I started, was doing flight training at that point. Uh, I did my PPL sort of weekends. So it took forever, (laughs) as you can imagine, (laughs) waiting for a good VFR day. I remember it clearly where I had to try and do my cross-country qualifying flight. It took a 12 weeks in the UK to get to get a weekend that was good enough to go from one airport to another, another one, and then back again. <laughs> so uh, so that's, uh, yeah, exactly. When people say, ah, oh, you know, it's a nice clear sky here in Arizona. Yeah, I wished that. <laughs> I was in my PPL. But, uh, anyway, uh, so I was doing that. I went on, uh, did uh, sort of finished off my PPL myself, and then I went to flight school, one of the larger flight schools. Went through that. Finished in uh, 20, late 2016, feels like a while ago now. And uh, got a job commercially, been flying commercially on uh, the Airbus A320 for three years now. So I love the A320, but I have to say, I make it a mission. A300 is my new favorite Airbus. I hope oh, one wow. day I can get to fly it. It is a very, very interesting aircraft. And that's what I was brought on the, to the team to do is to give that technical aspect of. Now, the one thing I think everyone here is going to find interesting when they get their hands on the product. And I didn't truly understand this until I started the project. Yes, the A300 is a slightly older plane, but actually it's fascinating because it's basically an A3, a very early A320. I'm like, oh, I recognize that and that mm. and this mm. and that. And, oh, and there's some numbers in the A320 where you're like, why do they use that number? Why do they do that? It doesn't make any sense. And I look at the A300 and it's like, ah, that's where they do it. <laughs> so you can see the Airbus heritage and lineage. And that's what I was brought along to put my expertise from that area into making this product what I would expect to see if I was flying and operating this aircraft day to day. And we need those <clears throat> systems that you operate every day to be as good as they would be when I'm actually flying flying every day. So that's what I was brought on board to do uh, in terms of the lead technical developer, working with everyone else to make sure that the standard is there that we expect to try and push. And you've probably seen with the previews, obviously you've seen you know some of the pictures and some very sneak preview of the systems, but we're pushing for that next level. So no. you're kind of touching on um, like product development there where you mm. try to look at what a customer wants and just like immediately have that in there. What are some of the, like, let's say a top four of what you really make sure that you have in every single aspect of the A300 so that the customer will enjoy your product. 
So I think, you know, that there, are, there are two ways that we, we can evaluate this. We can base it off. Personally, I, I think what, what is currently available on the market and what do we want available on the market? Do we, how, how, and, you know, this the words are thrown around like, you know, study level and, um, you know, how good is you know, systems, texturing, sounds. And every, that view, in my opinion, is very subjective for us to say this is what the standard should be because everyone has a different expectation of flight sim. Now, yeah. the way that we view in, in, our, in our mind is in every single aspect to make it as realistic and as good as we possibly can and to make it accessible to a whole range of users. And we feel that we, 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 we've done that in trying to make the systems as realistic as possible. So you're going to give that high fidelity simmer that who operate the aircraft are looking at the FCOM, um, you know, allowing them to, to simulate certain procedures properly. But we're also reaching out to those consumers who are looking for something more visually pleasing, ensuring that our texturing and modeling is up to the best possible standard but also from a sound perspective i think you know you know the sounds of an aircraft and the audio that you hear is also a really massive crucial immersion factor and you know we're really putting a lot of time into that so i think it, when someone asks us what our top you know your question what, are, what is our top four aims i think personally from my view just trying to make it as best as possible with you know based on on the product and the on the line feature that we're trying to deliver i mean you know cameron can can, can speak a bit more about that too Yes. Yeah, in, so, oh, in your guys' opinion, real quick, are flight yeah. simmers the hardest set of people to please when you're doing a project like this? I, I don't know. I think I'd say they're difficult, but then also it's there is there is an expected standard in flight sim, and it's people want their product to be the best it can be in every area, and that's as Ube was saying, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to basically mm -hmm. give it so that person that wants this and wants that and wants this because there's people want planes and this is what i love about flight sim is different people fly planes for different reasons as you're saying for the systems for the visuals for the sounds for this but we want to try and make it so that any of those users can pick up our plane and go you know what this actually covers what i was expecting and i think it's maybe difficult to please but maybe sometimes they're they're right you know we want to try and push it to that next level and just just to add on that you know your, your supplementary question on our flight sim is difficult to please. <clears throat> I would say, I, I wouldn't say there is an aspect of difficult to please. I think a lot of people have an expectation and are perhaps promised certain things. And sometimes those things don't come to fruition. Um, and I understand where that frustration comes from. I have said, you know, personally, as a, as a just a, a user in flight sim, have really looked forward to an add-on sometimes. And, you know, the, the output's not there. Um, mm -hmm. And I think, from that perspective, we are really trying to, what we say we will deliver is what we will deliver and really just try to build a really good relationship with our consumers and our clients. And hopefully, you know, with, with you know, the limited screenshots we provided, the, the, I hope the, the community is, is realizing that we are trying to approach this in a very different manner um, to perhaps how things have been done previously. Mm. Yeah, and I think to follow up on that as well, like we were talking about the word study level. It's an interesting phrase. I actually don't know the full history. I know that it was started to use. Actually, when would you guys say it was first heard in the sim world? I first heard it around uh, early X Plane 10, once mm. Flight Factor started coming onto the market. Um, yeah, I think but that's right. I also wasn't really into the um, FSX scene too much. So I don't really know where it got into there. Mm. I, I kind of I entered an X Plane 10, but I would say 
when Aerosoft also started coming into the market, that's when it also started to get played around in that area. So I like think around the same time. I think that's right as well. And you, you hear this phrase a lot, and I find it an interesting phrase because I think often, you know, when you see something for sale, you know, a, a, a branded product on a shelf, it has like 4K, HDMI, any of these standards, they're a certified standard. So someone has sat back and gone, that met X qualification to be told that. Whereas with study level, as we were saying before, it's very subjective. Someone's idea of study level is definitely not some other person's idea of study level and vice versa. So that's why we're trying to focus more on on the line. Like, what do you use on the line every day? And that needs to be the best it can be. And if that meets that person's idea of study level, brilliant. You know, and we're hoping that it will meet everyone's level of that. But yeah. I find the phrase, it's, it's an interesting one because it brings up a lot of conversations with different people where you're like, what does it? What, what? What do you mean by that? But then that's where we're trying to basically say: Look, the things that you use, the things you're going to interact with, are going to be the best they can possibly be that we can make. I think it's that's important. So to describe the A three hundred, would you rather use a phrase as you said before, high fidelity? Because that's what I started using now. I stopped using the word study level mm. because, well, as you said, there's so much to cover. But high well, fidelity it, would that be a word you use? I mean, I personally would stand by the product and say it is a high fidelity simulation of the A3, of, of the A3, Airbus A three hundred. But I think the phrase that you know you've you've seen already from the shots we provide is is the A three hundred on the line, and that's the way that the Arnaboots products will be will always be marketed. It is going to be marketed as the on the line because we cannot tell a consumer or a client what they should expect from the product because it is up to their own interpretation of of, of how that simulation w w was done. We want to provide our customers the ultimate day-to-day -day experience as a pilot in command would on their flying day. And that's what we, you know, that that's how we, that's the vision in which that we're developing th these products. Um, so yes, I, you know, I would agree. It, it is a high fidelity uh, simulation of the aircraft. Yeah, I must say that I love what you were saying earlier on about um, customer oriented. And it just warms my heart to hear you guys say that, you know, that's what's been missing with some of the add-ons and just having you, the builder say that to me right now makes me feel good about this airplane. I mean, God forbid, this is the very first airplane I've ever been on ever as a passenger or anything otherwise is the A300. Straight out mm. of Kingston, Jamaica to JFK. Oh, cool. oh yes. Yeah. So I am <laughs> looking forward to this airplane and, and having my hands on and flying it. And from the previews that you guys have shown, I'm I'm impressed. I just let me just get it out the way. I'm very impressed with it. No, I mean, you know, thank you very much for your comments. And it, you know, it truly does mean a lot. And I, you know, we don't always have the opportunity to, to respond to all the comments. But you know, one thing that any you know, I, I can I want to directly reach out to any of the listeners is that we do read all comments. Um, you know, we may not get an opportunity to respond, but you know, any feedback that you give us, we really do take it on board, and it is really taken seriously. And you know, this isn't some you know corporate you know standpoint that I'm trying to say that we care about the customers we really do and we really want to build a strong relationship with the client and consumer because i think and i think the way that we're trying to do things differently is that i think from everyone on our team we've all been a consumer and we always will be consumers and i think we are really trying to make sure that especially you know our focus right now is an explain is to really improve that you know developer consumer relationship because your the, the client is going to pay you know an x amount of money for for any product and for them to be told that you know they're wrong or you know the developer's always right is something that it, it's insulting in in my opinion and you wouldn't really see that in any other industry let alone you know 
in the real world. So why should it happen in flight sim? And that's something that's always stuck with me as an issue. And that's why, you know, really thank you for your comments, because it's something that we are really trying to trying to work on to improve. You know, I also want to add as well that um, I have a lot of respect for the way that you're running your business as well, because it seems as if this INI is being run as a business and not as a group of developers. Like having your customers be your top priority, I those are the companies that I love the most, even if their products aren't incredible, if they're really communicative, communicative towards me and they really want to reach out to me, then I end up loving them. And I think that you guys are going to really go a long way with that. And I, I also wanted to um, touch on what you said earlier. You said that, um, I think it was you, MJ, who said, we cannot tell a customer what to expect. Um, that is up to them. Like, I, I really respect that way of looking at things. And I think that that is, I think that what you guys have here is actually something a little bit larger than what you're making it, where you're kind of, you're allowing a new voice to be, what am I trying to say here? You're trying, you're like, you're allowing a new voice to be heard in flight simulation because we've focused so hard on study level and all of this, but we've never focused on like the individual opinion. And I, I just, I just wanted to share that. I think that you guys, yeah. what you're doing here is like a lot larger than you're actually like. They're, they're basically, to be. they're up in the bar or, ch or changing the bar basically. Cause for a long time we've suffered in X plane with add on mm -hmm. and add on developers where there's one thing or the other missing for whatever reason. And as you said earlier, there was no attention paid to us, the, the end user, at, you know, at the point. Uh, listen to you guys talk about this and listen and looking at the product itself and the, way you, the, the approach that you're using now with it. I like it. I mean, I've, Xplain is becoming alive. I mean, that's my only sim. I know you guys do P3D and, and other sims and so forth, but mm. Xplain for me is now coming alive with, with this development coming on board, with, with this development team coming on board. And putting into, you know, and using their expertise and putting it the way they they see it, as you guys are end users, so you understand from both sides. And so I like it. I'm excited for it. I'm excited no, for this change. No, I you know thank you so much for both of your comments. You know, it, it's really good for me to hear that. You know, the 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 efforts that we've tried to put in since day one, are, you know, are being noticed. But also, you know, this is not to say that what you know has happened since is not good there are some really quality add-ons in explain at the moment and you know without the work done by you know our fellow other developers the, the market wouldn't be where it's at you know i think there is a lot of hard work that's gone in but we really want to try and um do things our own way um and if that means that changing some of the expectations and changing the consumer developer relationship then that that then that then that's that but you know thank you again you know it, it really does warm my heart to hear that Oh yeah, we need it. I mean, Microsoft 2020 is around the corner and X-Plan might be pushed off to the left or the right. But in the meantime, you know, having this kind of development coming on board is perfect for us. You know, so, hey, I appreciate it. We appreciate it, definitely. So uh, we've already shown our, view, our listeners how much we love you guys and appreciate you guys <laughs> um, after, after everything that you've said so far. Um, so let's change the subject a little bit so that we don't keep on dwindling on one thing. Um, so, um, your on the line products are very, very detailed, and that is evident in any blog post that you read. It's very, very extensive, and it's clear that you guys know what you are talking about. Um, 
one thing that I haven't been able to ask any of my guests yet, um, because we haven't had somebody who's as involved with aircraft development as you are, in particular with mm. tube liners, um, how does the development process go? How do you look for documentation on the aircraft? How do you know that something is right and what you want it to be? Like, it spill, spill the tea, pretty much. <laughs> sure. Yeah, um, okay, this so, ought to be okay. interesting for the A300, so I want to hear this one. <laughs> no, so so sure. So I think that the main, the main, you know, from from my point of view anyway, when, you know, a, a project is, is, is brought forward and, we you know, we discuss whether it is something we want to do or not. I think the main thing is maybe this would differ from an you know, aircraft developer to aircraft developer, but because we have the view of the customer in mind and the best experience possible, we will not waste our time on something that we can't do properly. So we're not going to start a project if we don't have, you know, the appropriate data, um, the appropriate documentation of the way that the aircraft is supposed to behave, because that's wasting our time and, and efforts for something that is not going to be accurate. So that's the number one conversation that needs to be had internally with in any development team, I think, is what are the resources and the data available that, that you have on hand? And mm. I think the minute you have the resources and the data available, I think, you know, not, you know, this is a very biased view, but I think I have a really talented team. I think, you know, from that point onwards, it's pretty much, you know, getting the job done. I mean, if we have the, you know, the FCOM and, you know, the AMM, you know, two, you know, main many the two main manuals that we use the minute you've got those i mean i guess you just need to have a really talented team and you know cameron has been a, a tremendous help you know he's an extremely knowledgeable individual he he's a pilot in real life but he he really takes the the, the data and you know the information that we that are in these documents and really brings them to life in the sim and everything that 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 is you know in these documents have been accurately displayed in the sim um I would say 99 to 100%. So, um, Cameron, anything else you wanted to add on that? Because this is yeah, your, yeah. your space. It's, it's, I'll follow up with this because now some of the interesting things, you know, when you're learning an aircraft, I'm sure we've all done it, where you, you get a hold of an FCOM and you think, ah, I have it. The document answers all questions. Mm, <laughs> not quite. <laughs> it's like a little, a little bit of back history about the FCOMs. Now, if I tell you this, you might have noticed it before. They're originally... Airbus ones I'm all about now, obviously. It'd be a bit weird if Boeing did this. But they're written in French and they're translated oh. to English. And sometimes you read it, you go, What? <laughs> and you read it again, you go, what, what what did you okay? And then you have to read it four or five times, you go, Okay, I think I get what they're saying now. I get it, I get it. Some of it's perfect, but some of them doesn't quite translate right. So with the FCOM, you can achieve a lot. It's telling you how it should work in an ideal situation. Now, obviously the real world and the real aircraft isn't an ideal situation. I'll give you an example of the 320. So you read the FCOM of the A320. It states, when you put flaps out, the plane will not balloon due to the advanced Airbus fly-by-wire system. And you think, wow, <laughs> that's very good. Good one, Airbus. Nice design. First time you fly the plane, you select flaps two, and it balloons. And you go to the guy, why is it ballooning? Well, you know, physics. They didn't really get it right. I'm like, oh, okay. And I'll give you an idea of the disparity. So the FCOM states in the A320, this is what I'm like, it, it won't balloon at all. And I found in my personal experience, it will go up to 700 feet per minute in the climb. Ooh. So now bring it back to the A300. So we have the FCOM, we have the AMMs, we have lots of other documentation, but we also have other people in contact who fly them on the line. So we're using a combination of uh, Airbus documentation and also real pilots' experiences of what they get on the line and feeding that into the sim. And also lots of you know, other documentation that we've gathered around that are undocumented features. You know, you, you, you'll read the FCOM and you'll watch a video of someone doing it in the plane. And you go, why are they, why is that different? <laughs> and then yeah. you go, 
okay, it's because of this. Okay, there's that. Okay, we need to make that do it in the sim. Now, is that needed? Well, as an end user, you're probably not going to notice if it works like the FCOM, then great. Then you, you, that's the, probably the only documentation that sort of an end user is going to have access to of sufficient standard. But we're really trying to push it that this plane is really like what you would have on the line when you're flying as a pilot, not the FCOM. And I've personally seen it in the sim where I've had a plane, I think, why does that look strange? And I realized mm. that they've copied the diagram from the FCOM <laughs> and the diagram of the FCOM has been made larger so you can read it easier. It's actually larger than the real PFD. Oh, wow. <laughs> so you're there like, ah, I know what they did. Fair enough. It's the documentation they had, but we want to try and take it above that level. And that's, that's really where we go with it. So your role basically is critical where you're translating from a hard document to a real world, basically. They're somewhere in the middle between hard document and real world experience. Yeah, and, and it's, you, the, you, there is always things that like, okay, I've never flown the A300, but I know how an airliner operates and I know how an Airbus works. And what I think people, will, again, will find interesting about the A300 is just how similar it is to the Airbuses that you've seen. And you can see where their ideas came from. And this is a very, very rough description of what the A300 is like. Imagine if you get a 767 and a very, very early 320, push them together. <laughs> and there, you, there you go. <laughs> that's the A300. And, and systems-wise and everything, you have all aspects of that. And that's where we go to make this product just the best it could be. Basically. Do you wow. ever find yourself uh, feeling like you're problem solving in the moment the way that the engineers of the a300 were problem solving themselves to try to figure out how to make it yeah i, I think we've had it once or twice and actually it's a really nice really really nice feeling where you're thinking okay we know how it works we want to make it work exactly as we want and then the fcom isn't describing enough so we go through all our different pieces of information right and then we build the system and we're doing a we're talking a very initial test here and then we compare it to real world data that we have and you go it matches. Mm -hmm. We've we've made the system work just like the real thing, which is a really nice feeling because you know you've made it not only look like it's working, it is working. And yeah. it does it does the problem solving is one of the really enjoyments that I get from it is when you you hit a wall and it happens with every development team. I'm sure they've all come across it, or anyone who's ever tried to make anything. You hit a wall and you think, How am I gonna get past this? But yeah. every single time we've got past it, and you look back at it and you go, that's cool. And I love, I'm sure you can all appreciate this, flying a plane that you've been, you've helped develop is very satisfying. Wow. <laughs> it's like you fly around and you go, I know how that works. I don't know how this works. And that's really nice. <laughs> and like you, know, you fly it and it's really, really, it's, it's, it's actually a really, it's, I'd never thought it'd be as much fun as it is, but it is, you know, just flying it around. And it, especially in these later stages when we have a, you know, a product that we're testing around with, you just go, this is brilliant. Yeah, I think from from my perspective, because you know I'm you know I'm not involved in the day to day conversations. You know I'm there for the team meetings and critical decisions. However, seeing the progress that they've made, you know, just to talk a bit about the project, this was this started in around October November time, and we're in April, and it is truly magnificent the work that some of the development team has done in such a short space of time getting such a high quality high fidelity working add-on i think in in my view i think a lot of the especially our our the ironables working group uh you know the, the set team of beta testers that are there you know we've received you know glowing feedback from all angles i think you know i i, I tell my development team every day but you know again i would like to personally thank them because in this such short space of time to get something that good in, in my opinion i personally have never seen in flight sim 
And I think a lot of people are going to be very looking forward to it. Yeah, you certainly have normalized attention. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just um, it's just good to hear. I mean, uh, I was thinking, yeah, that's a short span of time to bring a product from inception to market, but apparently, you guys have a good gel team working together over there. You know, you just. Um, yeah, I mean, I would say we have a we have a really really fantastic team, and we all really work well together. Um, and I think all of us have, you know, again, the common goal in mind of in more more so of not just this is our first product and we've got something to prove of. You're just trying to make this as as good as we can for 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 the for flight simmers. Um, and I think when you have that unique common goal um, and everyone working towards that, I think it, everyone just works off 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 that energy and it works really well. Yeah, that's what we find as well. When you're you're doing the systems, you're working together with each other, and you can see that the end goal in sight, and it just really works when you you're working together and you get something done, and you just think yes, and you just move on, and you just use that energy to push through to get it all. And we can we we've, I'm amazed of what we've been able to achieve in the time frame we have, and I think when everyone gets how to hold the product, they'll also show that you know this is the real deal. You know. Yeah, I mean it shows too because I mean. Obviously, other aircraft are more complicated um, in terms of their system because, um, you know, as as we progress, um, things are being monitored more and more. So there's more and more to simulate. Um, mm. And but I mean, you guys really show that, you know, if you have the passion there that you're really able to do anything in the nick of time. I mean, I didn't I actually did not catch on to the fact that you guys started working on this like just last year. That's crazy. <laughs> I, that's that's something I don't think I could ever like fathom doing. The interesting thing with the A300 is um, because obviously, as we stated, the A380 is you know still ongoing. So we have aspects of uh, possibly one of the most complicated airliners in the world. Yeah. But when it came across the A300, it's a complex mix of when you look at the overhead panel, it's enormous i have yeah. no idea why they made the overhead panel it's just huge and just full of everything so what, yeah. what from a development point of view that makes the a300 difficult but also really enjoyable to fly is it has both analog and digital mm. and it has all of that so you have to make both like and i'm not i'm not speaking down of anyone who's made this but when you go in a 737 now or even an a320 i look at the overhead and i go oh wow there's only uh, two fuel pumps yeah. Not this many. <laughs> so, yeah. oh, there's only two batteries, not three. Oh, there's only Jeez. this and that. Oh, nice. And then, you know, there's, but then the thing that I don't think people realize, and I, I want to get across in this to all the listeners, is the A300, original A300, is an old plane. The A300 600, it's not an old plane. It's actually, basically, can do everything an A320 can do. Oh, it, wow. can, it can do, it has the lower, the ECAM screen you know, on the bottom right hand rather than being on top of each other has all the same system display pages. They are the same. That's where they came from, from the 300 to the 320. And mm. it can do it can do it can do anything. It can do Autolands, uh, Cat 3 Bravo, it's got everything in it that, that the 320 has, which is why it's very interesting to develop and I think when people get hold of it they'll be like this thing was advanced. It first flew in 1981 by the way with all of this, which is it's pretty good going. Yeah. Yeah. So you talked about uh, earlier how you don't make a product unless you know you have everything you need for it when 
was that moment for the A300 when was like the green light, like we are going to do this, we have everything and we really want to do this? Um, yeah, sure. So essentially to, to talk a bit about a background for those who may, may not be aware, but you know, the A300 was not in our, in our mind frame uh, and mindset um, up until, you know, around September last year. Um, the, you know, we announced the A380 and, you know, things were going really well and things are still going, you know, quite fantastically and when, when we do provide an update on that i think a lot of people will be pleased an extensive one but we were progressing with the a380 but there were certain things that we really you know as i said the customer is in mind here and we're not going to do something that is not going to be you know useful at the end and we, we realized that you know the a380 is taking slightly a bit more time um than, than we wanted in certain aspects so how best can we use our time and at the time you know the roger um 39 was a user on the explain forum and he had this wonderful a300 exterior model um and you know we we had a few discussions with with him and we were like the a380 is is, is being done by certain members of the team we have a certain aspect of the team that that is free to work on on a project. How can we work work best? And you know, his his mindset at the time was, I have this really nice model. I really want to do this for the community. I really want to get something done here. And we were like, we're of the same mindset. So for you know, it was just a you know a match made in heaven. And that was at the point where we had to take a decision internally of what documents do we have, what data do we have to accurately rendition this aircraft, and you know you know it was all it was all a green light and we we brought roger along and you know that, that that's how the a300 started but i guess this question is more pertinent for you know perhaps the a380 and you know we only really took to, to announce the a380 and started progressing with that once we had collected all that data um and so so yeah that that provides maybe a bit, a bit of an explanation behind those two yeah definitely um hmm. yeah. it and, seems to me that i'm sorry so it seems to no, me no, that I don't know, maybe it's the explained thing, but we somehow prefer older vintage aircraft in explain over the newer ones for some reason. I mean, does that make sense? Because I hear you say A380 and I get mm. asked a lot about, hey, when are you going to fly an A380? And I say, when there's a good one to fly. But mm. it still doesn't get me going as an, an older airplane, an MD-80, you know, an MD-11, uh, A300. Those get me going because, I don't know, it's something that, don't fly anymore a lot and so just to be able to have it and see it in the sim you know is a good thing i mean do you find that yeah. the new I mean, the older ones are more in demand or uh, more requested? i mean apart from the like 100 messages i personally get on discord about <laughs> is the a380 cancelled <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if we move away from that i mean i think that you know the current explain market i think if you look at some you know some fantastic developers at the moment is i think fly j sim is my personal favorite i think their add-ons are you know really quite beautiful to be honest um and mm -hmm. uh i think once you've seen how good a add-on you know that and you know the ixg in its time i think when you have when you have a look at those classic jets that, that were made i think you're like wow okay so you know this is you know the the real standard and this is really really, really nice so i think maybe that has something to do with it but i think for, from from my end i think a lot of people i i i would say a lot of people like old jets a lot of people like modern jets um but personally as a company we receive a, a plethora of requests about the a380 um and i think you know as the a the a300 gets more known you know around the community i guess we'll get we'll get more questions on that more um but as a personal favorite, I think that, you know, again, the A300, I've personally fallen in love with it. And, you know, I was you know, on the fence about it in the beginning, but as a, as a, as an airliner and just learning more about it and, you know, working with, with some of the documents, I, I, it, it's an, it's a new personal favorite for me. Um, 
but I think that will probably change if you ask me when we get back on the A380 properly. Well, see, that's the key. I don't mean to cut you, but that is the yeah. key where with the older airplanes at first, you're like, well, you know, it's old. It's, yeah. Uh. But when you get to actually learn it and actually flight efficiently and know the systems in it, you yeah. fall in love with the thing, you know? Yeah. So <laughs> I'm hoping so. And I think from, from our side, you know, Cameron's mentioned this many times before. It's like, especially working on both airplanes, you know, one of the first Airbuses and, you know, one of the mo most recent Airbuses, you really see the story of Airbus as a business, as a company, and some of the work put in, you know, Cameron, you, you've seen this you know, first time with the A320 yeah, and the yeah. A300. A lot of it is still the same, um, you know, a lot of the, the core technology, which is really, you know, astonishing. Yeah, you know, it's it's absolutely the same with uh, with the... With the A300, um, it's quite funny where I'm, I've looked around and I've gone, I recognize that gauge. <laughs> and, I'm looking at it and I'm like, I know that gauge. And then I go look at the 380, I'm like, there it is. And yeah. here's, here's another little bit. Now, this is, this is slightly nerdy, but maybe people will enjoy it. Oh, if, you, if, you, if you look at the 350 and you look at the 380, how you end your mode selector, right? You know, on, on a 320, they moved it to below where the thrust levers are. You just click it where you need. Fair enough. Yeah. That's the way they do it. 350, it's the same thing. On the 380, they ran out of room. So, uh, Sorry, on the A380, they ran out of room. So they thought, hmm, where are we going to put it? And they put it on the overhead, and they used this really large knob. And I always thought, it looks weird. And I looked at it the other day. I was like, ah, it's because it's from the A300. <laughs> so you can see how they are both, even though they're a lot apart, there's a lot of heritage and interest in there. And I think when people get their hand on the A300, it's kind of going to be, like if you want to call it this, like a gateway into like the older older airliners, because like I mentioned before, it's amazingly advanced for the time. So if anyone's flown a 320, 319, whatever in X-Plane, you could pretty readily come across the A300, do a bit of reading and be on your way and operate yeah. it hmm. in a pretty normal, I mean, to go a little bit technical, it has VNAV in descent that will respect constraints. It can do lots and lots of very complex things. But if you don't want to do that, that's fine. It knows, okay, you can do it in an older vintage way. You can do whatever you want. But it is mm. actually very, very advanced. So it's kind of, I, I don't want to say it, but it is basically the best of both worlds. It's vintage and modern all at the same time, and it's a crossover period. So it's, it's, a, it's a fascinating product. And I think I think just to add on that, I think that's why we're I think that's why we're really excited for it because it's sort of going to bridge. You know, there is this big X-plane market that is you know really for vintage jets, but also there's you've got this perhaps new emerging side which are you know really looking forward to the modern jets. And I think this is the plane that's going to bridge both of those markets and really provide a a, a good um, mix of both. Um, yeah, and we're really absolutely. excited. I think yeah, it's we really see, interesting we... to. Um... Sorry to cut you off, Norm. Um... No, but I think it's really interesting to see that, you know, you guys are also learning a lot about Airbus as a company while doing this. Like, it's like what Cameron mentioned with the engine mode selector. It's like, they were like, oh, we did it. We did it on the other old plane. So why don't we just like put it back where it was last time? And it, yeah. it's kind of just like, it's like the easy way, but it's also like, well, it worked. So we might as well continue it. Yeah, exactly. And have a look at an A350 and 380 glare shield. It goes yeah, like straight, and then it drops, and then it goes straight again. And then you go back in the A300, you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they did that. Then they did the 320 and 330 and went, yeah, nah, I like the old one. <laughs> and yeah. they went back. <laughs> so you can actually see there's so many. And there's even, 
it's very, very strange. There's even certain buttons, I won't go into full detail about it, that you look at that they did on the A300. They didn't bother doing it on the A320. And then they did it back on the A380. <laughs> so there's oh, this oh. like they really drew from this heritage and their whole business. But what's very interesting, as I was mentioning before about, it's kind of like a Boeing and an Airbus mix. They weren't fully committed or they didn't have in a vision the full Airbus design philosophy when they made the A300. Mm-hmm. So there are some things that you're, are from basically from a Boeing, and you can see that they're mixed together. So I would say if you know how to fly a Boeing, you can fly this. If you know how to fly Airbus, you can fly the A300 as well. So it's, it's what I mean. It's a good bridge between everything, and it's, it's just fascinating. So a little bit of trivia that I learned that the A300 is the first twin-engine ETOPS wide-body airplane. Yes? That's right. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. It is. I didn't uh, know that. I literally just learned that within the last couple of weeks. I was yeah. like, what? I thought it was some kind of American carrier that did that first. You no. know, Boeing or McDonnell Douglas. No, it's, it was all trijets, three engines or four engines. People yeah. are like, yeah, we can't trust engines to go over water. And all of a sudden, <laughs> A300 came out and it's the first one. First, uh, now every airplane is that. 777, 787, A321, eight, yeah, it's good. It so, is a little bit uh, trivia there. It's, it's great. And the one thing, now this is the one thing I think people are going to be I wouldn't say surprised that because it's realistically modeled. The A300 is enormously overpowered, hilariously so, <laughs> which, is, which is really fun in the sim, really fun. Huh. Like, uh, and, and let's give you an idea, okay? At maximum takeoff weight, so this is only applicable at maximum takeoff weight. It has a higher thrust-to-weight ratio than Concorde. What? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what? a full weight. So a full, and I'll give you an idea, compared to an early... A340, clearly not the most powerful plane in the world, but still. If you mm. compare the early 340 with the A300, three times thrust to weight ratio at maximum takeoff. It, really? can, it, it can take off if it needs to from a 1600 meter runway at 145 tons, which is around 300,000 pounds. That's so impressive. What, <laughs> so what you're saying is that I should expect some crazy climb performance. Yeah, and that's what you have to manage as well. This is the thing that brings it back again to on the line. It's a modern plane but it's also an old plane and it's also a powerful plane. You can probably see where there are problems that arise here. Yeah. <laughs> so you have to manage it well. And this is what all of the, the people who fly them on the line tell us. They say, if you, don't, if you don't put it into vertical speed quite early and get it calm, it will bust the altitude by up to 450 feet. Ooh. So you have to be aware. And you know we've done what we can and to model that sort of, you have to look after it. But it's also modern and old, all at the same time. But it's the character of it is it's just so powerful. It's great. Uh, you know, the first time the first time I put the numbers in, we knew the numbers were right. And I took off and I was like, is, are you sure this is right? Like we had to run numbers in. Like, Did it really? Yeah, okay, okay. And I've taken off from from Luton before and I've seen it. And me and the captain actually both commented on it. We were like, huh, that seems weird. But now it makes yeah. sense. So DHL operate from Luton um, in A three hundreds. And they so we were going for, there's two intersections at Luton, very short runway, around, um, I only know meters, unfortunately. It's around 1,700 meters, um, so pretty short. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to go for a longer intersection. And then this A300 went, no, we don't need that. And we were like, oh. really? <laughs> really? You don't need the long one? Okay, fine. And we were like, this guy's going to go off the end of the runway. Anyway, they lined up in front, they lined up and they were gone. <laughs> we were both looked at each other like, mm, okay, weird. Oh, wow. And now after this development, I'm like, ah, that makes sense. <laughs> and they probably just like that, Toga, let's go. <laughs> it's like, it was just absolutely unbelievably powerful. It's, which is 
I love the fact that we've been able to capture that in the sim. And it is. It's great. And I, I, I can't wait for people to be like, is this right? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Some, of, some of the first people that flew it in the sim, like, are you sure? I'm like, I'm sure. I'm sure. It's right. It, <laughs> yeah, I, I can just imagine you um, you guys releasing it and then like going on your forums page, your support page, and they're like, climb performance way too high. Like, nope, that's right. <laughs> no, no, it's correct. And this is, but this is the thing, you know, again, coming back to the customer focus thing, if someone says that, fair enough, I thought that. Yeah. <laughs> the first time so we just explained to them no no it's it's correct you know and there's no there's no need to i've seen it a few times where people get berated for asking a question like Phew, you know a stupid yeah. question it's like ah, yeah. but we all, ask you, we all ask questions yeah, yeah we all ask questions sometimes yeah as a developer like i know the a300 very very well man, and a whole whole team do and if if we're the ones answering the questions on the forum someone might ask a question we're like stupid like well you should know that but no no because we know the a300 very well this is someone's first interaction with it and they've come across something they don't think is correct completely within their right to ask that question and completely within their right to expect a good response which yeah, which I, is what we want to get across as well i feel like questions that are seen as like presum presumed to be stupid questions are often actually the best questions to ask they are then you learn the most because like i mean as you said like with my example, even though like that might seem like a stupid question or like a stupid comment, like MJ has like experienced that before and he would think it's wrong. And then it would be a really good learning experience. It's like, oh my God, like that's crazy. It's, I didn't know that the A300 had crazy client performance until yeah, you told me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And this, I've had it personally as well. Like I don't, whenever I'm on an online profile or whatever, I don't like to say what I do because it just brings across other, you know, people will just assume everything I say is correct, which mm -hmm. I can be as wrong as the, other, the next person in line. So right. I've personally reached out for questions, comments or support to other developers. And I've come back with a response where I'm like, wow, okay, <laughs> thanks. Yeah. Sort of thing, like, <laughs> I, you know, whatever. Yep. Like, um, I, I, feel, I feel pretty bad now. And I'm not going to, I don't want to say, hey, but I'm a, hmm, whatever, drop the, you know, I'm a pilot car because I don't like doing that because they should listen to me as a customer anyway. And if they want to have further interactions and work out what I know, fine, that's fine. But yeah, you know, it's just, just one of those things I've noted. So um, if, if you don't mind, would you mm. uh, be willing to speak about um, the difference in the process of developing the A380 versus the A300 and how that has been for you as a company? Um, yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I guess I wouldn't say there are... I mean, to be completely honest, I mean, Cameron, you can comment as well. I think mm -hmm. there haven't been any sort of fundamental differences. You know, there's not something that's tremendously different from the workflow processes that that we do you know the a380 is in a stage where we are we are where we're doing certain things um and you know the a300 is obviously in a more advanced stage than the a380 but i think from from us as a as a business and as in terms of development you know my main focus in the beginning was to try and establish set processes and workflows and um sort of a you know sort of supply chain of this is the way we're going to do things it's you know and i think we work very different at, you know i can't comment on how other people work is that we have certain things that we would do at certain times and we're not just doing things in a random sporadic way with no you know goal or aim at the end of it i think we, we have certain priorities that we have that that we complete but in terms of how does that specifically differ from the a300 to a380 it it, it personally i don't see a, a big difference it's just obviously it's a different plane has different data 
but the processes and the workflows and the methodology behind that is is the same um i mean cameron do you have anything else you'd like you'd like to say on that no it's pretty much really like um a plane is a plane you know like you can build them all the same way but i guess the exactly what just said is correct but the only thing that would be different from a, a standpoint of development between the 300 and the 380 is as i mentioned the a300 has a lot of analog gauges mm. now <laughs> you wouldn't think this but analog gauges are actually quite tricky in a sim you have, to have, you have to have everything there they have to have the correct information going into them they have to be textured they have to be animated they have to do this they have to do that there's a lot of work that goes into that mm. and that is that can, that can create difficulty but you know it's obviously all achievable and you have to tie it all together but with the 380 you have a lot of digital screens so there's more i would say there's more of a, a code aspect to that rather than design element but the process is the same there's still the same people doing the same things in the same order so realistically the, the only major difference is the a380s has a lot more you know you've probably seen the screens where they're drop downs and Eventually, the 380 is going to be able to be, you know, the 350, sorry, has got the touchscreen. So that's, I think that's what they probably mm. intended with the 380, but I think they've just kind of gone time out on that one. <laughs> so yeah. That's probably not going to happen. So <laughs> anyway, but that's what they intended this whole interface to be. So there's more of that aspect rather than the sort of other aspect. But an electrical system is an electrical system. It's a lot mm. bigger on a 380, but also the A300, it's not a small plane. It's mm. a wide body. It's still pretty complicated. When you, like I said, when I go back in the 320 and I look at the overhead, I go, that's cute. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, like only only the two. And the one bonus with the 380 is Airbus have truly streamlined their design and their ideas, so they're a lot more concise and clear with what their design language and ideas were. Whereas with the A300, you can tell there were some people who were like, "Should we do this?" And then someone else was like, "Why don't we do that?" And they both went, "Why don't we do both?" <laughs> it's like, yeah. So then you're just like, ah. <laughs> so then you have to make both of that work. Where you know, so there's challenges to both, but the process is the same. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I guess yeah. you 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 put it perfect. I guess yeah. process is the same. It's just you, different challenges are met with with both. Um, yeah. yeah. And and but I think the the thing that we found, especially and me personally, um, is that once we put the good processes and good workflows in place, I think the whatever challenges are met with both are respectively handled in, in an appropriate manner, um, which I think is fantastic um, from our side. I mean, here's a technical development question. Which is harder to make look more realistic, a glass cockpit or an analog cockpit? Like mm. when, when I'm sitting in front of a sim looking at the analog versus a glass cockpit, I tend to believe the glass cockpit does not look as real. I mean, do you guys find that or do you differ from that? From, from, a, from a designing perspective, um, our designer, uh, you know, he's pretty famous in the X-Pain community, Todemac. Um, he does all of our texturing for us internally in the cockpit. And I would say that it's taken a bit longer for the more for the analog gauges simply because we are going right into the minute details with little specks of dirt on some of the you know some of the numbers, making them unique across all the gauges. And I think from from that point of view, making analog gauges and designing them <clears throat> um, from a texturing perspective does take a bit longer than some of the digital screens. Um, but I think again, it comes down to to the point of different challenges have have different things. So you know with the with the digital screens you know it's more about once they have been designed you know using code placing them in the right place uh, and making sure they operate in the in the correct way um but i mean personally i, I think for me I, I like the i i've fallen in love with the analog analog gauges and, and the work gone into them i think if you really look you know 
closely into them. They they, they look they look pretty cool. Yeah, I'd follow up with the same thing as well. That yeah, both are difficult to make look good. But I think if you put the same again, the same workflow, if you put the same time in, you can make both look as good as you want them to be. Because there are there are technical challenges behind behind both, and the design work that needs to go into a, a glass cockpit, you still need to have the the correct fonts, the correct borders, the correct everything like that. Which and there's a lot yeah, more of that to do on a glass cockpit. Like, uh, mm. and I will say this right now because we are going to get people who ask those questions. It's not a stupid question, like I said before. The A300 can't draw curved lines on the ND. Okay. It draws straight lines. It just can't. It 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 has no processing power to draw a curve. So that means there's less work to do, clearly, because you don't need a curve. Whereas the three, you do need a curve, but then you need the analog gauges. So I would say they actually almost, they almost like balance out. But that yeah. isn't that is the thing to notice. No curves. And, 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 <laughs> and again, you know, you know, just thinking about it in my head now, like you said, the technical point. We have tried to model, you know, the CRT screen effect. You know, it's a curved screen uh, on the A300. Then they're not going to be flat. And in sim, you can sort of see we have modeled the curve um, on mm. all of the screens. Whereas in the A380, you know, they're pretty flat. So again, it is, uh, you know, goes back to Saul's question. It although they are different, you, but the processes are the same. It's just different challenges are met to try and accurate accurately represent. The, the plane in the sim yeah i think people are going to really like the screens in the a300 because we have the radius of the r is correct uh, sorry the curve of the the, the crt and it oh, actually cool. has it actually has the image over the physical arc and then a piece of glass in front of it oh, so boy. when you so when you look on the angle of the side you can see the glass you can see the the front sort of i guess you'd call it the bow face or the front face of the crt tube and then you can see the image being displayed on that with the correct border. And so there's to me, layers there. Yeah, there, there are physic. It's physically made like the screen is made. And you know when you look at it head on, you're like, oh yeah, it looks like a screen. Then you look at it at an angle, and that's some of the <clears> most satisfying <throat> things I have is when you're at night, because it's more noticeable at night, sort of. And you have it mm -hmm. dimmed down, and you can see a curve of the little thing like that. You get very very close. You can actually see sort of your track line curve because it's going along the curve of the screen. And it's the same thing actually with the um, MCDUs. They also have curved CRT screen. That's like some unprecedented detail. My God, can you um, can you like talk a little bit more about some of the um, the eye candy in the A three hundred and like what you've done with that? Yeah, I mean, I think from 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 an initial setback, I think that one of the most recent screenshots we sh we showed was you know the cockpit at, at night, and I think just off the just as an initial look i think the texturing is to an, an extremely high standard um but then we when you delve in further into that you know as cameron mentioned we have taken you know special we've put special time and, and attention to representing the crt screens um and making sure that that is a feature that is is noticeable you know with, with the layers and as such as cameron explained but also i think you know throughout the cockpit again with the user in mind with the on the line branding that that, that, that we have you know there are certain delays uh, that I, I is my personal favorite in terms of an immersion fact is that you know as you would in real life, selecting a battery to come on is not an instant process. It's not yeah. switch it on, you know, and seeing the, the the flickering of screens and, you know, the delays throughout the plane. And I think, you know, going back to the systems, you know, one thing that I found really cool when I was showing it for the first time was the electrical system and how complex it is. And then I think with many developers and explain, you're like, you know, certain things run off, you know, 
bus one and certain things run off bus two. And when when I was shown for the first time the different dependencies of the aircraft on bus one and bus two and how it how the air, air, half of the plane literally just goes black with bus two not engaged mm. and the, the effect that goes into that, I think that is another massive immersion feature that we've introduced into the aircraft that's not previously been seen before, which I think is, you know, just brings that to another level for, for the user. Um, but I think by far the, the best thing on the plane is the delays that we've implemented. Um, and, you know, I think that that's going to be a really cool feature that people will enjoy. Um, just got to make sure that they don't you know, double click a battery or something to think that they haven't switched yeah. on in the first instance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's The yeah. thing is with the delays as well, is it's, it's not just me going, mm, three seconds. Mm, two seconds. <laughs> it's documented. Again, the FCOM won't say. The FCOM will say, it comes on instantly, which is a lie. <laughs> it's yeah. like, oh, so then you have to go and write, but how long does it actually take? Like, okay, it takes on average between this and that. Okay, let's make it do that. So not all the delays are the same because obviously systems depend on different things. So define define instant. <laughs> yeah, it's, this is the thing. There's there's a lot of a lot of things in the FCOM that you read and you go, you read the chapter and you go, and is there another chapter or is that it? <laughs> because yeah. I need more detail. Like which is what we go and we strive to do because there are little little immersion things again with the little delays and the, everything needs to be as you would on the line. And for me personally. When you start up an aircraft, I think this is what many people's first interaction is with a new product. I don't know about yourself. I load it in, cold and dark. I do a bit of reading before because obviously you don't want to you know, do something wrong. And then you do a, a, a setup of the aircraft. And we want that first experience to be someone. And as soon as they press that battery on or they start clicking around the plane, they go, this thing means business. This thing is good. And that's yeah. what we want. We want that user to immediately be, you know what? My investment in this product was worthwhile. And if I have any questions, I know that I can ask and get good quality feedback from them. And that's what we want. We want that continue through everything. Because, you know, like I say, I've I've been I've been let, let's let's say positively, I've bought products next plane and still and gone, this is brilliant. I love it. You know, I've had that many more times than I've been disappointed. But I've also had somewhere bought them and gone, this is really? this is disappointing. <laughs> this is disappointing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know. But I've but I've had real positive experiences as well. You guys sound a lot like um IXEG in its earlier days. Um, I still love IXEG, even though their product is a little bit dated. They are they are starting to work on it, so you know, mm. great on them. Um, but I remember having that experience when I first jumped into the cockpit and I first turned on the battery switch on my old iMac, uh, and just <sighs> and just like loving the sounds and like mm. feeling like I was actually there. And it seems like you guys have really like you. I don't know, the, you can't use strive because that's not the right tense, but it seems like you guys have really strived, yeah, really strived to mm. um, to do that and make this aircraft like feel like a real thing. And that's something that I feel like um, a lot of people sometimes miss the mark with is like they, it, it like instead of recreating the aircraft in the simulator, like you guys are doing, they're, they're just like copying what they seem to see and like making... I don't know. Uh, like, does that make sense at all? No, it does. No, yeah, yeah. I, I, I completely appreciate what you're saying, and you know, I think again, thank you for for your comments on that. And I think, you know, the, the the my the way that I view it is is that we as a, as a team we're trying to to do everything as correctly as possible. Um, but you know, there are things that we, we may we may overlook and that we may not get down to the T. And I think 
I think any developer that has the view of we are going to do everything perfectly, um, to be quite frank, is just deluded. Because I think in, in flight simulation and, and, you know, all of this, the only thing we can do is try our best and, you know, not make excuses for ourselves. And those are the number two things that I, I have... The, the understanding of and how I, I want to I want to translate this into the product and, and really give the user and let them define the experience that they have with it. And I think from from your from review, again, it goes back to we just want to give them the best experience possible. And if we don't achieve that, then we you know we are ready to 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 have that dialogue with the customer to try and see what we can improve and do think do things better. But um, yeah, I mean. Uh, Thank you, you know, for your comments on on, on that, and um, yeah, I think you know, we're just all really looking forward to uh, to bringing this to bringing this to market. Yeah, yeah, the thing the thing is with a flight sim as well. Now, this is something interesting to because people often say this, right? They go, "I flew a full motion X simulator," yeah. and they're like, "That's just like the real thing." Okay, now those things they're great. Okay, they're certified, they're fantastic, they're eight or nine million plus dollars each. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so they're expensive. They don't fly like the real plane. Yeah. They fly nearly like the real plane. They fly enough like the real plane for you to do it to then go fly and go, oh, yeah, fine. Yeah, sort of see where it's been different, blah, blah, blah. But there's a common thing. And if you've talked to any pilots before, it's the same thing. You learn to fly the plane, the real plane, and you learn to fly the sim. Yep. So as Ube was saying in terms of developer, if someone says, ah, oh, our plane in X plane flies just like the real thing, Really? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> really, does it? I don't think yeah. so. I think you've tried your best or we are going to try our absolute best. But if an eight, $9 million simulator still doesn't fly quite like the real plane because of the physical limitations of simulation in general, then there, there are always going to be areas where you can improve or we'll fall short and we'll have that dialogue. But it's an interesting one because, interestingly, obviously the only experience I have is with the 320 family. You can tell the 320 flies amazing in the full flight sims. It's like where Airbus gave them a data package and went, there you go. And then they flew it in the sim went, wow, isn't it amazing? Even in wind, it flies brilliantly. Then you fly it on the line and you go, it's mm, not quite what it does. <laughs> it's oh, wow. kind of close, but not really. Like in a very windy day, it's nothing, nothing like the simulator. Completely yeah, we, different, you know. We talked to um, V1 Simulations a few episodes oh, ago. Okay. And he's... He's a real world uh, A320 pilot mm. as well. And he was talking about his first experience um, in the simulator versus his first experience in real life and how he just planted the landing because yeah. the simulator like gave him one thing, but then actually doing it just changed his experience so much. Because it does. I mean, does. you yep. can't, I mean, at this juncture, we can't replicate real life. So we just have to get as close as we can to it, you know? Exactly. And that's, and that's what we're aiming to do, you know, and, uh, and that's what we're going to, we're going to try and strive for. But if someone does say it's just like the real plane, then okay, well, you tried, but it is, <laughs> You're trying, well, right. if it is well done, <laughs> you know, <laughs> give, give whoever makes the plane a call because they want to put that in an $8 million sim and they're, <laughs> they're golden. But, you know, I know developers have done an incredible job inside the, the simulation platform. They really have, but yeah, if the if the the, the you know multi billion dollar corporations who make sims professionally still can't quite get it right, and there was actually an interesting change recently where a company they were actually talked about because the engineers for the for the sims they calibrate them, so each sim you have four in a row, they all fly slightly differently. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so so it's wow. like anyway, so yeah, that's that's a whole wow. other topic. Well, here's a general question for you guys: We're talking about flying and simming. How often do you guys get to actually fly a simulator? P3D, FSX, X-Plane. 
do you have any time to do that and do you do that that's a that's a this question is going to make me very sad. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> you know, with, with with the recent times and you know recent development, you know, it's really really enjoyable. But you know, I we personally don't get a lot of time um, to sim. But you know, we are monitoring the market. You know, we are you know there are certain things that we are looking forward to. Um, but no, personally, I haven't had much time to do any simming lately. I mean, what about you, Cameron? Well, I do a lot, but it's all development. Yeah. So I do. I, it's all I'm, I'm in the I am cranking those hours up. <laughs> it's like I am, I am there, like dedicated. But I'm not really. I'm not doing the flight that I want to do. I'm doing a flight to test the system, and then if gotcha. I get halfway through and I've done the test, then I just close the sim. So and it doesn't really feel like a satisfying flight because I'm just trying to fix stuff or do things or check things or whatever. I'm doing a lot of flying, but not what I want to go. And I'm actually <laughs> really looking forward to that day when the A300 is, is finished and it's you know been released or we're really close to release. And I could go, you know what? I'm going to do a flight, <laughs> a flight mm. I want to do. <laughs> it's like I want to go somewhere and I'm going to do a cold dark. I'm going to load it up. I'm going to go there. And I, I really can't wait for that. But occasionally you get glimpses of... You, you get caught up in development. You know, you're doing this, you're testing this, you're testing that. And occasionally, I've, I've done stuff, and it's quite funny. It's happened to a few other developers as well, where you think, oh, why isn't that working anymore? Oh. Ah, yeah. and then you look on the overhead, and you're like, I forgot to turn it on. <laughs> so <laughs> the plane gets more and more advanced, and you're like, ah, because I made a mistake. Because, like, for example, when a system isn't implemented, you don't turn it on. You forget, because it doesn't matter. It has no effect. Then when it's implemented and you start flying it, you're like, I didn't turn it on. <laughs> now it has an effect. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> so, wow. So, yeah, like uh, I did it once where I took off. I was like, why is the airplane not rolling? And it's because the hydraulics were off. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, the spoiler control system was off, which is, yeah, again, the Airbus 300, you can turn the spoilers off. Why you'd want to do that, I don't know. But <laughs> So Man. we recently posted an article that was talking about optimization and how that is actually a, a large issue that exists for quite a few um X-Plane aircraft that are still on OpenGL and are not focusing towards moving towards Vulcan for X-Plane 11. Um, mm. I'm sure... Great article, Vul by the way. Yeah, I thought yeah. so too. Yeah. It was a really good article. Like I, I was reading it and I, I was like, this is... A, I did learn a lot. <laughs> it's really good. Yeah. yeah. So so I didn't, I didn't write that, but I'll pass it on. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. So that that's definitely something that I, you know, I, I thought about quite a bit because... Um, there's always this discussion about performance, how some aircraft perform better than others. And after reading that article, it totally made sense why some didn't um, perform better than sure. others. And um, I've spoken about this like a few, a few times. Um, I do some development myself off and on. Mm. Um, and I, I've recently started to do game development here and there. And I mm. actually learned the fundamentals of how you optimize stuff. Because I didn't actually know what it meant to optimize a product whenever you looked at bug fixes and it said optimizations for this thing. I didn't really know what that meant, but now I do. Um, how are you guys looking in the future to optimize uh, the A300 and the A380 to make sure that it runs properly with Vulkan um, and also just other future versions of X-Plane, whatever that may? Mm. I mean... I think, you know, based on the article and, you know, what we've had, just, just to put it out there, you know, we're very happy to announce that the FPS on the A300 is, is absolutely amazing on on, yeah. on all systems so far that we, we, we've seen. Um, no issues whatsoever. Um, we are also conducting testing on the new X-Plane, um, you know, 11.50 beta version using Vulkan. Um, 
and no issues so far yet to report on that side of things either so you know oh, both nice. things are working in a in a good manner and the fps is really good but you know to answer your question i think you know, it's a really, really hard one. You know, we always had optimization as a phase of development, but, you know, we've sort of, we're nearing the end now and we haven't had really had to do any, you know, it was just modeled and, you know, textured with, with using, you know, uh, you know, a decent amount of polygons, you know, ensuring that, you know, the amount of sheets we're using are appropriate, you know, not going overboard with them, just making sure that, you know, all those things are kept in mind, you know, at the end goal for the end user and, you know, the, the outcome has been, you know, fantastic performance. So I think from that side of things, you know, it, it all worked out really well. Um, but, you know, it's, it is something that we always keeping in mind because again, um, you know, it, explaining you know with certain add-ons can be quite resource intensive um and we want to ensure that we're not you know completely you know ruining the experience either um but for this for the a300 and you know you know we're in a position to say that you know the fps is going to be um quite good um across all all systems i'm happy to hear that um I'm happy to hear i'm not going back to explain 11.4 i'm all in <laughs> 11.5 <laughs> i feel you um continuing on with this future um conversation uh what is the future for i and i builds with um fs2020 around the corner and um also the rest of your products that are on p3d what what do you guys see being your future mm. so i think um you know we get asked this question a lot and i think you know anyone that is commenting um you know in a position to comment on msfs2020 without looking at some you know the sdk and developer kits um I find questionable because how can a developer comment whether they're going to bring something to the sim if they've not seen anything of how to develop for it? So I think uh, we can't make a comment. We we simply don't know. And like the consumer, we don't know whether we whether it is you know you know it, obviously there is something there. Whether it's the future um, is is another question. The way that I I like to respond to this question is you know we're focused on doing certain things now for the explain market. Mm -hmm. um, there is no conversation that we, you know, we, we are discussing internally about MSFS 2020 because, you know, you'd, you'd be silly not to. But I guess in commenting of whether we're going to be developing for it, you know, we haven't we haven't seen the SDK. Um, we went, we're not in active conversations with Microsoft um, and therefore cannot comment. Um, you know, and we met, we're in a, in the boat that a lot of developers are in. Of we just we just got to wait and see and, and see how how that develops and and. and how that how the market is and i think for now we really want to you know focus on our current projects um you know the, the a300 freighter um and the a380 um and you know there is also you know to a project off the back of the a300 that has not been announced yet um hmm. okay so i think um you know the focus is very much on explain with microsoft on the horizons for a conversation to be had at a later time i i guess is, is is the best answer to that but i think um for now our focus is on explain um and the yeah, projects that for, we've announced for myself as well like explain is like i said i first got involved with it with explain 10 and i i it grew on me massively then i was like you know i really like this platform i just wish there were more airliners i think that's a conversation i'm sure you've had many times <laughs> with yeah. people you know like want more airline because the ixcg you know i have a little bit of time not in the real aircraft but on the full motion simulators i did like a conversion course on them so i, I knew it reasonably well and i enjoyed the ixcg when it was in x-plane 10 i really did 
And it really, it made me go, wow, there's a real massive potential for this platform. And I think with X-Plane 11, and especially with the Vulcan beta, it shows that the X-Plane 11 platform is really strong and it's going to get stronger over time, as we always knew, but it's, uh, yeah. it's going from strength to strength. And I think that's why at the moment, that's where we're looking at the X-Plane platform. And with when we bring our products to it, I think hopefully more people will come. That's what's the intention. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm glad to hear you guys say that because that's what I've been hoping and praying and wishing for. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So um, before we close up shop, um, are there any other last things you want to say about your two projects that you haven't mentioned so far that you think would be interesting for people to know or anything you want us to know or I don't know, anything you want us to ask? Um... No, I think, you know, I think we, we've, we've discussed a lot. I think just do, I think I'll use this opportunity for those listeners who stayed right to the end. You know, I think we've seen a few questions regarding, you know, the passenger. Um, the passenger variant of the A300 is going to be a free um, addition slash upgrade um, of the of the main freighter version that will be released. Um, so in theory, a customer will be paying for both a freighter and passenger version. Um, and with both engine variants of Pretowini and GE. Um, so I think that is where our main focus is now. And I think that's something that a lot of people can look forward to. Um, you know, the A380 is announced and, you know, that is going to be active development. And, you know, watch this space. You know, there's an update coming in, in the future. Um, but I think, you know, there is a, a project off the back of the A300 that I think a lot of people will be pleased about um, that we are also, you know, slowly making steps to to actively bring forward, um, which will be the main focus once the A300 is released. Um, but we will keep that a secret for now. Um, and we will hopefully be able to share more information on that soon. Um, but I guess, you know, thank you again, everyone, for your time, you know, for the listeners, for being here for an for, more than an hour now um and yeah i mean any, any other questions that you guys had for us that, that you'd like answered not on my end how about no. you norm no i mean you guys have been more than uh, open with all your answers that we have asked with all the questions and given us way more information that we even asked for so i appreciate the candidness of you guys um just speaking about the product the de development of it um what your customer service experience uh you, your vision of it what it's going to be like and that's what we want that's what we need in the simulator space, and we appreciate it so much. So we're good. Let me just mention that INIBuilds.com is the website. You know, there's so much more that we even get a chance to talk about because of this, this interesting product coming up. But if you guys go to INIBuilds.com, they have way more things that they do and are a part of, even sound pack for the 747 default plane in X-Plane. I mean, many things, but I just wanted to mention that. But thank you so much, guys. Appreciate it. No, you know, thank you for the shout out. Um, and, and, you know, likewise, you know, to, to, to really put into practice what we mentioned, if anybody has any questions, you know, of anything, you know, put it in, in, the, in the comments, you know, contact us directly and we're very much happy to, to have a conversation with you regarding anything that, that any listener may have, may have a question or query about. Um, so thank you once again. Thank you guys so much for being on the show.